it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Good evening and welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. Studying. We've all had to do it, but rarely is it something that's taught in schools. Studying is much more than just preparing for a test. And unfortunately, most students have to figure it out on their own. In order to achieve academic success, attending class must be followed up with studying material because we forget 40% of what we learn within 24 hours. Did you know that? I knew it was a lot. Um, I didn't know exactly what percentage it was, but you know, the further you get out from whatever you are learning, the quicker you're, you know, the, the less you're going to remember. So That's quite a bit. Does yes. it disappoint you? <laughs> you work so hard. You know, it's, I was just talking with the, my students today and I was just telling them that, um, you know, as teachers, we do all this training and preparation on how to teach because teachers teach. That's what teachers are called to do. So we do all this training. We have to get all the certifications and all, you know, all the loops we got to go through. Then we go through professional development all year long on just how to be an effective teacher. And students get nothing on how to be a student because, you know, the root, like I tell my kids, the root word of teacher is teach, but the root word of student is study. But we give content, but we don't show them how to retain the content. And that is a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I told you so. Can I just say that? About what? In our study skills, ep- no, in our uh, test taking skills episode you said that i would never do this episode that i said this is a great episode we should do this and you said yeah it's gonna take you about a year so what it's been three weeks maybe it has yeah are you proud of me um i, I will i will uh bite into your goading right now um <laughs> thank but, you yeah. you bought into something thank you yes yes um <laughs> Yes. I'm always lobbing things to you and you just let them fly past your shoulder. Yes. And so I will I will say that my wife got this on the docket uh, this year and within less than four weeks. And so she um, is growing. Thank you. I wasn't condescending in any way. No, not at all, sweetheart. I would never say anything like that. No. Okay. Well, so as you guessed, we are going to be talking about study skills today. And um, our own David Bailey, with his, um, uh, with all of the experience he has of working with students. And how many years? When did you start tutoring? Officially, oh gosh, about 25 years ago now. 25 years yeah, ago. It's been a long time. Yeah, and that's a big part of your um, tutoring company is teaching study skills and time management, all those soft skills that are important to not just being a good student, but something that you need just in life to be successful. So um, I'm glad that you're going to be able to share some of your knowledge with us. I'm, I've got to say that since knowing you and since you've started tutoring, 
um, as an adult, at least, um, I've learned a lot about note taking and things like that. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You're a smart guy. Well, thank you, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get started. Sure. All right. Well, before we go any further, let me just say it does take a village. Uh, if you hear a great parenting tip or a nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it. Link it in and add the hashtag school days show and hashtag I am school days. And also we want you to be a part of the show. So if you hear, if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 444. You know, I do this every week. I should say the zip code 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there. So Dave, you know, we just talked about a little bit that you've been teaching or you were been tutoring kids for over 25 years so what's more of your background in case some of our listeners and viewers don't actually know okay so how it all got started was um when i was in college i was um uh part of an organization called inroads shout out to inroads um and uh it was a a, um, organization that focuses on college students and and in preparing them for different uh, positions in industry but part of our uh, role as a student was also to do community service um and so uh I saw a sign um, from a sorority, specifically Delta Sigma Theta. If there's anyone out there who was a Delta, uh, it all started with y'all. Um, they needed tutors to work with uh, young ladies who they were pregnant in high school um, and they were kicked out of their homes and, and but were still working on getting their diplomas and they had a place to stay and to get their education um, so they could graduate and some of them you know, to go on to college. So I started working uh, with these girls and um, I just really began to you know, have a passion for helping them understand the concepts. And so uh, when I saw the light bulb come on, it, it brought true joy to my heart to see them grow. And we had some students who were really, really on the brink of not graduating, and they were able to graduate. Um, and I also worked for another program called Investing Now, which is at the you know, University of Pittsburgh. This is both at my, my alma mater, University of Pittsburgh. And started working with students there, um, and specifically mathematics uh, exclusively. And um, again, uh, I just built these great relationships with these with these students, um, and was able to help them grow and to help them to stretch and get better. Um, when I was working, you know, through my when I was getting my master's degree, I was tutoring as well. And so it's kind of been in my DNA uh, for the past twenty five plus years or so. And so I'm still going strong. This is fired up now as I was then and feel like I have some more you know some more tools under my belt that I can help students with well great we are looking forward to um all the information you're going to share all right so first of all tell me why is it even important to study so you don't fail (laughs) would you like to be more specific (laughs) um well fail starts with letter f and I'm being sarcastic uh (laughs) But no. I'm not. Um, but so when we're thinking about studying, we have to think about what is the purpose of studying, and we think about what what's, what is in school. What is it that teachers are getting? They, what they want out of you, and what they want is what I want. I think any teacher wants us. They want to know that what we have taught you that you have learned, and so how do we measure what you've learned? So just because it's been shared with you doesn't mean that it has been internalized. And to the point of within 24 hours, almost half of the content that has been taught to you 
is gone, um, it is imperative that students develop skills so that they can retain, to get back the 40% that is lost. And then on, we couple that with multiple subjects that are taught throughout the course of the day. See, in math, in my world, I think in every teacher, they may not say this, but we feel like our only, that our subject is the only subject that the kids have to go over and, and learn. And the only thing that matters is what we teach, <laughs> which is not the case. But, you know, we're so involved in what we're doing, realizing that every student has to, you know, has to do with my math work and then science and social studies and humanity, I mean, humanities and, you know, reading and all these things. And so when you, you know, you're going from one class to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, that, you know, it's going to, there's going to be some content loss. So at a fundamental level, it's so that students can retain uh, what they have learned so that when they are asked to reflect that back to their teachers and however that's assessed, then they can accurately reflect what they have learned. Many times what I've seen is that students, they, they know it and they, they're with you in the moment. However, you know, give it a day or two. For example, we have, um, we have block scheduling. So when I'm working with them, like, you got it? Yeah. And then two days later, it's almost as if I hadn't taught anything at all sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to make sure that they're retaining the information and fundamentally the skills are there that they need to to um, learn what they need so they can reflect back what they know. Um, there's more to it than that, but I'll pause on that for right now. Sure. And also, you know, confidence and, um, you know, just competence in, in general, but their ability to be confident. I was talking to, um, you know, our, our Christina is in a movie and she was talking to the director after um, they finished filming. And he, she said, you know, I was surprised that I wasn't nervous. And he said, you know, the reason why you weren't nervous is because you were prepared. You knew your lines better than any of the adults on the set. Yeah. So it, it enabled her to have more confidence. You know, to that point, um, I just saw on my Facebook feed a couple of days ago from a few years back. I think I told you the story. Um one year when I was teaching math, I had a student turn in a sheet <laughs> and the sheet um, had um, the name Jesus. Hey, all right. All over the paper, no math work, just the name Jesus. And <laughs> it said, Jesus is all you need to know for most things in life. And so I replied back, um, hey, that's great. However, you still need to know my math <laughs> and didn't do too well on that assignment. Um, or people will say, oh, well, you know, well, wish you good luck. Or, you know, or people say, well, I'm going to pray. Okay, great. But prayer does not replace preparation. So you have to be prepared. And the only way to prepare is you have to put in the time. Um, to learn the content that you need to know for whatever content, you know, whatever subject that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is studying just preparation for exams or is there more to it? Because most people are like, oh, okay, I got a test coming up, so I got to study. So right. is there a reason to do it beyond that? Right. So, well, it's it's to internalize it. Um, for it to become not just something that you can, you know, uh, taken for short-term memory, but to become a part of your long-term memory. Um, and as you ingest what's being taught to you, it becomes a part of you, and you have that knowledge base to pull from um, 
at a later date. So, for example, I work with a lot of um, high school students who are getting ready for the SATs and ACTs, right? And many of my students, you know, they're you know, high-caliber students, high-performing students, excuse me, but many times they struggle uh, because they never really learned the content. They learned enough to, you know, to knock it out the park when they took that test or took that quiz, but they never really learned it. So a few years later, when they see it again or they see it in a different way, um, they cannot pull from anything because it's like, I'm getting, let me, let me just get, get this in my head. Okay, A, B, C, one, two, three, whatever, whatever it is they're trying to learn, get it in, get it in, get it in, and dump it back out, and then, whew, then we move on. But that's not really internalizing the content. So when it becomes a part of you, then you have that knowledge base to pull from um, to cross over into different disciplines, um, to apply in different ways, or to recall upon when you need it at a different time. But if all you're doing is getting it in just to put it back out, it's not becoming a part of your academic DNA um, as well. Um, secondly, studying is, and this is where I'm kind of going to dive in a little bit here, but really, because I, I tell my students, I said, look, you know, some of you know what you want to be, some of you don't. Um, everything you learn in school, you're not going to necessarily apply directly in your, you know, your field of you know, your endeavors later on in life. However, what you will do is you will apply the skills that you're learning right now, the tools that you're learning on how to be um, a student, how to be responsible. So, for example, um, how to get organized. That is a timeless tool. Um, when you're organized, then you know exactly what you need to gather and where you need to go. Um, now, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but um, you know, how, how do you manage the, the 24 hours in a day that you have? Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit later on um, that really, you really can't manage your time, but you can manage your priorities. And as I call it priority management. Um, how to see beyond today? Um, are you just worried about today? Or are you worried about what's happening ahead? Um, seeing the implications of how you prepare today and how it impacts you tomorrow. Um, learning how to grow beyond what you know and how to um, prepare yourself for when the times get harder. Because some people will say, you know, well, I'm, my baby has straight A's, great. Uh, but there will come a time, mark my words, when their natural talent won't, won't, won't be able to take them to the next level. And when that time comes, will they have the tools to get there? Um, so there are a lot of different practical tools in life that they'll be able to apply based on what they've learned as they develop their study skills. Because many times study skills really are life skills. Um, not necessarily mm -hmm. on the content being learned, but how to approach your life. And if you can get a life of focus and discipline and learning how to grow and learning how to acquire new knowledge, um, I'm still learning stuff all the time. And the tools I learn and how to be a student um, are impacting my ability to try and do new things now in a way that I wouldn't have if I didn't have that discipline and focus mm -hmm. um, early on in life. Mm -hmm. So is studying more than just memorizing? Oh, yes. Um, it is acquiring um, a way to develop uh, not just the facts, you know, like maybe like in history class, um, dates and times or formulas, but it helps you to learn how to think, how to formulate ideas, how to take current knowledge and apply it in new ways, how to make interconnections between disciplines. So you might be looking in mathematics, but for example, you know, with my background in economics and in business, I apply a lot of the mathematical principles that we've learned 
um, over into that world so they can see how they interlap with one another. Mm -hmm. um, how to, um, the, the biggest thing is how to analyze what you know and take it to the next level. In other words, in light of this fact, what are the implications of it in this context or in context beyond what you're learning in school? Um, school is we, we typically it's um, we compartmentalize our subjects, but really life is not compartmentalized. And so when you can integrate what you've learned in the context of different disciplines and you can apply your thought knowledge and your understanding of, of information in new ways, that's how you grow. That's how your child grows. And that's how they're going to be able to become stronger students. Um, because as many of us know, the rigor gets uh, increases as we go along and it has to be more than just spewing back facts earlier on in our primary years and, you know, up to maybe our middle school years, it's a lot of just, just fact gathering. Um, but as you go up in the high school and into college and into advanced studies, um, learning how to think beyond just the obvious is going to be a critical skill that they need for success. Sure. That's good. And, you know, employers will tell you. Or they'll they'll say that, you know, just what you said, they they need people that can understand that know more than just the information and compare it back to you. They need somebody to be able to think critically, which is what we're actually going to be talking about next week. We sure are. But mm -hmm. to be able to take the information and apply it in a way that adds value to the company and the products and the services that they're delivering. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I tell my kids, look, life is not multiple choice. Um, <laughs> life is not A, B, C, D. And when you get on a job many times, um, at least in, in my experiences, is that there's, there's no manual per se on how to do what they're asking you to do. They're asking you to do a job. They give you a general direction as to where to go to make it happen. But it's up to you to make it happen. And if you don't know how to how to uh, take initiative, how to how to reach out, how to research, how to dig and then how to apply and execute. Um what you took on that test two years ago where you got that Aon will not help you at all. And so this is just it, studying teaches you how to approach your life um, and and how to uh, uh, objectively look at uh, what's happening in the world around you and then how to come to uh, correct conclusions based upon what you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are there best practices for studying and does it depend on who you are, how you're wired and things like that. Like, is there a best time to study? Uh, okay. So I want to start with saying that every student is not wired the same way. Okay. So um, sometimes there are students who can sit in class and they can listen to the teacher and they can go through a lecture and everything that is, is said, they can internalize it and and then spew it back out and they can knock it out the park some uh some students need to see what's being said uh, they need to have visuals and diagrams and drawings and videos um in order to to um, learn what's being said because sometimes saying it is not enough and then uh, third is some people need to do they have to experience it they have to get their hands into it they have to you know engage with the content and engage with the material in order to do that so like for me so these are three different learning styles um in the academic world of education we call it differentiated instruction or differentiated learning and what that means is that you have visual learners 
um, uh, auditory learners, and then the third category is that tactile kinesthetic learners. Okay, um, and so um, knowing how you learn is going to impact how you receive what's being communicated to you. Because what if the way that your teacher is teaching it does not match how you learn? Then you're going to be frustrated. The teacher isn't necessarily going to change up how they teach to meet your needs, and especially now in in this uh, virtual environment. Um, that can be even a greater challenge. Um, so knowing how you operate is going to help you critically in knowing how to approach that area of study. Now, in regards to the uh, when to study, um, parents, you have to know your child. So every child is not the same. Um, there may be a time on the schedule when um, now some things are out of you know your control. Some of them may be out of their control. But you want to work your study schedule around how your child is wired. And I look at it as, as like being most energized. Is when are they most energized to do work? I tell my kids all the time, and even my own son, uh, especially DJ, who's in middle school, is that you're never going to want to do what you don't want to do, right? So if you were to, now, this is the math nerd of me coming out here. But <laughs> if you were to think of, um, those of you remember from, from uh, math, the X and Y axis, and on the vertical line, you have energy, and on the horizontal line, you have time, right? Throughout the course of a day, um, you're going to have a peak a peak time when you are at your highest level of performance. But as time goes on, um, the energy decreases. It's just going to be going down, at, like almost like going like almost like down a, down a, a, a ski slope of, of uh, energy. So it goes down over time. And then when you have less energy, you're not going to want to do the work that you're assigned to do. You know, you're never going to want some things you love to do. When some kids, their subjects, they're just going to soar no matter what. But what about those things that your child hates? How do you get them to do the work? My recommendation is to give it to them when they're at their highest peak of energy. Because everything after that is just going to go, no pun intended, but downhill. And they're not gonna they're not gonna have the motivation or the focus to be able to get that work done. And so the first recommendation I would say is if you're gonna determine when determine when your child has the most energy, and that's when you give them the work stuff that they the stuff that they love more naturally. Um, you can put that towards the tail end because they're gonna get they're gonna get energy from it. Something that you love to do, you're gonna naturally perk up and want to do it. But stuff that they hate, like for example, if it's something that is just for many, for many students, it might be math. Um, don't give them math as the last subject to do. Give it to them first or whatever the subject is so that they can knock it out the park, get it while they're still energized. And then as time goes on, they'll get more natural energy from what they love. So you want to have uh, an inverse relationship between energy and passion for the subject, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are the pros of con pros and cons of studying with somebody? I mean, should you always study by yourself or always study with somebody else? Or is it, does that also depend on who you are? I feel like there's a lot of benefits to studying with somebody. No oh, matter yeah. who you are. Yeah. So I think it depends on, on who it is. Who the person is that you're studying oh, yes. with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Boyfriends and girlfriends can make it difficult. Yes. <laughs> And there's people that, you know, um, that you're going to naturally want to hang out with and talk with a lot because this is what you do. Um, I'm not saying you can't, but you, 
you, you try us to come in and the other person to come in with, with the mindset that when we're here in this time that we're going to, we're here to work and we're going to focus on the work. I mean, the advantages are, you know, you, you get an, a, you know, you get multiple perspectives on the same thing. I've learned so much from my students on different concepts. Even I've taught math that I've known for years and, and they'll see something a different way. And say, Mr. Bailey, when I see this, I, I see it like this. I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, huh, really? That's interesting. And so when you're working in community uh, with other people, you can learn how to gather ideas and come to best practices and conclusions uh, based upon other other people um, in the group. So you're not working independently. Uh, there may be a way that they memorized it or the way that they're gathering information in a way that maybe you didn't or vice versa. And so when you come together, you can definitely um, benefit from each other's knowledge and knowledge base assuming that again that they're going to be there to work if they're there to work and you're there to work as well then um you can get stuff done now, i remember when i was in college there was a spot of the library where i knew that if i went there i was going to get <laughs> nothing done except hanging out and and having fun under the auspices of quote-unquote studying and so i could i'm also just left my books in, in my in my dorm room because right. i wasn't getting anything done so what i did was i left there and I went to the computer science library. Ain't nobody up in the computer science library. Just all my friends, they weren't up in there. <laughs> I was by myself, and that's when I got in the zone. Um, another thing that it can do is it can help you to, that you can push each other, you can encourage each other as well. I had a study partner. Um, we took you know, virtually all the same you know, economics classes together. And... Um, he was a bright young man and you know i thought i was you know pretty sharp myself and and we would go into a test and he would say we come back and you know okay how'd you do on this test and he'd say i'd say uh i say he'd ask me how'd you do i said you know i got a i got a you know a 91 i said how'd you do um i got a 93 and, and my mom was like hot dog man i gotta miss them so then we go to the next test like, okay I'm, I'm gonna get him this time so then the next test would come say okay how'd you do I got a 93. I'm like thinking, ha ha. Like, how'd you do? Oh, I got a 95. Oh. And then we kept on doing this. Now, I don't know if he knew it was a competition, but it was a competition for me. And what Cause, happened? Because everything is a competition with you. Yeah, I'm very competitive. <laughs> you yes. are very competitive. I am. I don't like to lose. <laughs> now, here's the thing I never caught him. I never caught him. However, my grades kept going up. So I went from 91 to a 93 to a 95 to 97. And, but what it did was it made me better because I knew that I was with somebody who was just as motivated as I was. And that encouraged me to want to do better because I was around people who were about it. So what I'd say is if you're going to or say with somebody, say with someone who, who, you know, is going to be focused and that, and that they're about, about it and that, and that you guys can push each other to get better and to be better. They got to be about it, about it, about it, about it, about it, about it. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> it probably is on a shirt. Um, so I want to know, okay, you attended Dallas Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. That school don't play, right? Oh, Lord have mercy. No. Right. You had to take Greek. How many, how much of Greek and Hebrew? Five semesters of Greek, <laughs> five semesters, everybody, and then four semesters of Hebrew. And how many credit hours was the degree? Oh, the entire master's program was 120 credit hours for a master's program, not a bachelor's program. See, a bachelor's program is 120 credits. A typical master's program is 30 to 60 credits, and mine was 120 
credits. Okay. We say all this to say that you know a thing or two personally about studying. Yes. Yes, personally. Yes. So, okay. I think that there could be a misconception about what studying is. Just from our own personal experience, you know, those of us who are listening to you, or from TV, movies, whatever. What exactly is studying? Like, if you were getting ready to... No, let's not say getting ready for a test, because that's that's what so many people think, that you have to study for a test. So, let's say you go to school, you come home from a lecture or from a class or something, and then you say you're going to study. What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, so first, it's looking at all of the key ideas, key terms definitions um key facts and putting that into your knowledge base um so it's understanding the material now now i also want to caveat this by saying what studying is not homework is not studying Mm -hmm. homework is to practice what you have studied the purpose of homework is not if you say, well, I did my homework. So parents, if, if you just, if all you ask is, did you do your homework? And they say, yes, that doesn't mean that they know the concepts. It just means that they got some work done. They're practicing what they were taught, what they learned. They're practicing what they understand based on their own perception. So for example, if you go into homework, and let's say you have a flawed, a skewed view of this concept. Let's say in math, there's something that there's just nothing, they're just not understanding and they didn't understand. And they never took the time to go back and look over the notes or look over the video or look over uh, their digital or, or you know physical textbook to look at actually what is being discussed there and what's happening. They're going into the work with a skewed view of how to do it. And they think they're doing it right, but they're doing it wrong. So you go into homework with the wrong understanding you're going to get that reflected in the grade if it's reflected in the grade on homework it's going to be reflected in the grade on a quiz if it's reflected that way on a quiz it's going to be reflected that way on a test if it's reflected that way on a test it's going to ultimately be reflected in how they approach uh, that subject which it could have been simply addressed by merely going back and saying okay what are the vocabulary words? What do I need to know? Um, what What is this really talking about? What is it saying? What does it mean? Um, and then what are the examples that they've given? Um, what words are in bold? Um, do I know what they mean? Uh, can I use them in a sentence? Can I articulate it back to someone? And, and what I know is that when you can articulate stuff back to someone, that means that you have a good, a pretty good grasp of what what's being said. Now, you've um, said they a couple times. Are you talking about your professor? Are you talking about a textbook? What is 30-something-year-old David Bailey at Dallas Theological Seminary? What is he studying? Not the topic or the content, but what's in front of you? What are you studying? What materials? Okay, so practically, um, you need the the information that was taught to you. So, for example, or where it came from. So, what's what's the source? So, is it from a textbook? Is it from a novel? Is it from maybe a, a packet of information that was generated by the teacher? What, where do you go to grab the information you need in order to bring it into your mind? Or the notes that you took in class. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those resources, do you have access to them? Can you say, okay, 
we covered this in class today. Great. Now, where do you go to pull from that in order to put it in front of you? So if you don't even know where to go to put it in front of you, then you, you can't learn anything else beyond what was said in class. Um, but the typical student will have notes that they can go back to to study. In theory. In theory. Yes. Okay. And especially in... Well, Only because they might not be taking the, the notes. Yeah, they may, not be okay. they may not be taking the notes, and sometimes teachers don't give notes. Um, or, um, and especially in, in, in virtual world, um, no, sometimes, uh, depending upon the teacher's understanding of how to use tools, um, the accountability level uh, for making sure that the notes are being taken. Oh, yeah. I've not seen our son in all of this virtual learning time take one note. Well, they'll know that's not true. They actually have worksheets and the, the kind of a fill-in-the-blank worksheet. So I guess that's the note-taking. Um, not like we did when we were in school where we, you know, got a blank sheet of paper and had to write down what the teacher said. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so what's happening is when, when those notes are being gathered, um, what it forces the student to do is it forces them to engage with the content. So it be, moving from being a passive learner, we're just sitting back and letting it being spewed at you. Now you have to interact with it yourself. You say, teacher said this. Okay, now I have to write that down. What's the main idea? What's the main point? What's the... Um, a formula. Uh, what are the examples of, of how to solve this problem? If it's like in math or science. Um, I remember when I took a class in college, it was my history of jazz class, which I loved. And the professor, he used to always say, whenever he wanted you to get a, a big point, he would say, now, think, think, think about it now, I guess it could be seen kind of nasty, but he used to say, triple, triple, triple X. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, but you knew when you heard that, that means you are going to have to know this and you will see this again. So, oh, oh, then I you know, write, write that down. Did you write down triple, triple, triple X? No, I just, I just wrote that down. I, I wouldn't I'd probably get fired if I said that now. <laughs> you just might. <laughs> Bailey said triple X. <laughs> what does that mean, Mr. Bailey? Right. Anyway, so, but um, that, you know, where do you go to, to get your resources? Um, what is the environment in which in which you are learning information? Because where you learn is also going to impact how you learn. Um, everyone doesn't learn the same way. So some kids can do it at the kitchen table. Some kids can study in, in their room. Some kids can't study at the kitchen table or in their room. Um, or and or what are the distractions around them that may be getting in the way? So you have to set the environment. You have to set the tone. Um, and then you have to take that knowledge and begin to, again, internalize it into your body. Now, we, we did an episode on, on memory mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. And now, there's whole many different ways on how to memorize stuff. Um, but uh, the point is that it has to be brought from, from without to within you. And you have to start with the tools, what's the environment, and then begin to go about either writing notes or reviewing notes is going back basically looking over what you've already been shown in the past. So you can um, acquire for yourself. One other thing I'll say real quick is this is um, if, if you're proactive and your child is proactive, then you can also do what I call pre-studying. So what that means is this, is that let's say, you know, for the week that your teacher's going to cover topics A, B, and C. Many times teachers may only give you what you need for the day, but teachers have to plan. So they already know what they're going to do for the week. If you can inquire and ask what uh, what resources can I look at in advance so that when I get to class, now you can sit back and instead of just 
trying to ingest everything for the first time, you already have a knowledge base. Like you can look over the vocabulary. You can look over the key points. You can look over some of the examples. Now you may not get it all perfectly the first time, but if you can get ahead of the game, when you come to class, when your peers are frantically taking notes and trying to process what's happening, you're already on top of the game. You're already ahead of the game and you know exactly what to anticipate. And now you can truly sit back and enjoy the content being received better because you've done the work in advance. Now that doesn't you know, replace you know, doing the work after as well, but the more you can touch the content, the mm-hmm. more you can get get exposure to it and, and begin to work on it and process it and, and look at it and review it and make it a part of who you are, the stronger you're gonna be and that's gonna take you from the short-term memory to the long-term memory. I've heard you talk to your clients about this being uh, pre-note-taking, basically. Yes. So you take the information, the chapter or the video or whatever, and copy down, not copy it down, but you know, take notes on the information. And then when you go to class, you're basically just highlighting or filling in additional information that your teacher gives you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So when, when you get it in advance, then you're able to get the bread and butter out the way and you can get in maybe into more complex ideas, deeper thoughts, deeper understandings as well. What strategies do you recommend? And we've mentioned in plenty of episodes before that you have ADD, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And so when you're studying, what do you recommend for people that have problems with focus? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I'll, I'll say this and to lead into you answering your question. So when uh, a couple years ago, when I finally got diagnosed uh, with adult uh, ADD, um, I realized that how I've been teaching does not fit how all my students learn. And so I totally redesigned my class. My kind of, I reimagined what a classroom could be with all of the uh, rules that are in place on how people should sit and you know um, how they sh- how they should work. Um, usually learning has been it's it's this individual world and it's it's this you know place where people do things by themselves. So I redesigned it. I bought new furniture and now my classroom literally looks like a Starbucks lounge <laughs> where students can come in and you know, I, if you want to sit on the floor, sit on the floor. If you want to sit, I have gaming chairs. Do you want to rock in a gaming chair? Some kids, they sit in the gaming chair and they sit and they rock and they're loving it. And they're, and they're working. Uh, some kids sit in traditional desks and some sit in, uh, you know, well, now because of social distancing, but we have this kind of this stadium seating, um, semi-circle seating where they can sit as well. So what I say to that parents is this, is that um, you may want them to sit at the kitchen table, but that... And if it works for them, great, more power to them. But every child, that may not work. Some kids may, may need movement um, or they may need to stand. Um, sometimes we, I think in a society where we're, we're, we're told that this is how it's supposed to be. But I say, why? You know, why do we have to sit? Now, I'm not saying, you know, chaos and ruckus. But if a student can get more energy from standing, then um, let them stand. Um if they want to stand at a desk, now there are even uh, tools out there. They're called standing desks. You can get standing desks, and it's it's a desk, but they stand up the whole time. Um, if they want to lay on the ground, I'll assume if they lay on the ground, they're not going to sleep. Now, you don't want them to doze off. But if they work better laying on the ground, let them lay, let them lay on the ground. If they want to 
sit in particular type of chairs or rolling chairs. Um, now, it may be frustrating to you as a parent because that's not how you did it or how we did it. Uh, but if it helps them to learn that way, let them also um, change up the environment. Maybe one day it may be in the family room. Next day it might be in the living room. Next day it might be in bedroom A or bedroom B. It might be in the kitchen. It might be outside. Who said we can't study outside um, on the front porch or on the back porch? Um, I've seen a lot of people doing that during the pandemic. Yes. Um, uh, we do it ourselves um, with, with our family. Mm-hmm. Um, or go to the library. Just change up the environment. But sometimes just monotony. For like for people with ADD, monotony, um, it, it, it kills us. Some people can sit in, like, like for example, adults, I like, can sit in the cubicle and love it. When I had my, my cubicle job, I was dying and didn't even realize it because <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wiggler. I'm a mover. I need to do things. Um, so change up the environment. Um, I know at our local public library, I saw they have these things. They're called, they're called study booths. It's, this vert, it's about nine feet tall and maybe about four, five feet wide and narrow. And you can walk in it. Now, I don't I think it's probably expensive, but you can walk in have this little light and you can close the door. And the whole world is shut out from me. I need to just maybe just like a soundproof booth. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I went in there the other day to get some work done, and I was in heaven. Mm. You know, yeah, you do not like any kind of distractions. Oh no, it's the ATT. (laughs) Yes, and and because for me, I I need you know I love people, but when I'm trying to really dig into something, I have to do it either when everyone's asleep, or I have to do it um, in a different location if I'm really gonna get into it the way that I need to. And so what I would do is I would observe how your child behaves and observe how they interact with um, their world and with learning. And if you see that, that they're getting bored, don't don't necessarily force them to sit there at that, you know, at that desk. Um, maybe, you know what, try the bed, try the floor, try here, try there. Go to a park. Um, there's no law that says we have to do it this way. And if you're willing to be flexible to adjust to meet their needs, I think you'll begin to see a deeper comprehension of material. Sure. And, and I think a, another thought is that you don't have to read yourself. You can actually use an app to read for you. Um, I actually, I saw a commercial the other day. Oh, man, I wish I knew what the name of this app was. But this guy took a picture of the page that he was reading and it read it to him. So yeah, I'll have, I'll have to look that up and put it on our website. But you know, if you if that's something that really bores you as somebody that you know has focus uh, issues, then maybe listening would be better. Yes, um, I would say with the caveat with the caveat of as you're listening, I would also read along with it um, with your eyes so that you're still engaging with with the con with the content. Well, if you're taking yeah. notes, then you're still engaging with it. Yeah, but sometimes if you're just reading reading a novel per se, you're not necessarily taking notes. You're just read. You're just like if you're reading a novel for let's say ELA class. Oh right. You yeah. know you're not going to necessarily take notes, but but seeing it and hearing it that helps to enhance your your knowledge of you know of the information as well. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, any other things like well, I know one thing you do is you you use music a lot when you're um, working mostly. You're not really studying anymore. Yes. Well, no, actually, I do. I do study. I, I do. I do academic research, actually. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. You're always learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Always trying. be a student. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, here's what I recommend is 
uh, music can be very beneficial um, if used the proper way and you're using the proper genre of music to help you learn. What I say is this, is music typically, what I recommend to my parents is that if it's if it has lyrics and words or pop songs or songs that they love to interact with and engage with, that's not the music that they need to be studying to because your mind is going to gravitate towards one thing or the other. And so um, if it's something that they love and they're going to sing along with it, then it's hard to sing along with it and understand a concept <laughs> at a deeper level. So what I recommend is, you know, stuff like um, you know, classical music, um, which research has shown has helped with focus and concentration. I listen to a lot of, um, of like smooth jazz, something that's on on the light side. Somebody doesn't have lyrics, but I've never heard a student say, oh, wait a minute. Is that is that uh, Beethoven? Oh, that's my jam. Ooh, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right. I, that's right. <laughs> I think it is. Is it OK? <laughs> yeah. And so you're not like, you know, getting into it, but you know, put 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 on, you know, uh, their favorite artist right now. They're going to be in the zone with that and not in the zone with with their schoolwork. So what I say is use it, but use it uh, uh, wisely. Um, in a way that's going to get them to the, the purpose of the music is not to really listen to it, but it's to set the tone to learn. And when they set the tone to learn, then they're going to be able to really um, dive into it, I think, in better ways. I would also say that some maybe uh, now I would say that music is not bad. Let's say there's something they really want to listen to and something that's not involved engaging. Like maybe it's getting getting the materials together or, you know, um, something that does not require mental engagement, but just something that they need to do. Uh, listening to their favorite artists might be fine for that. But when you're trying to engage in the academic content to you know, learn, then I would not just find out what your child is listening to and maybe help them make adjustments and see how that helps them to enhance their learning of the material. In addition to textbooks and any other materials that you're, teacher gives you what other things can you use to study i'm i'm baiting you because i i've just i've been around you for a while and watched you work with students and you don't know what i'm talking about not the not the particular bait test, no tests and quizzes old tests and quizzes old tests and quizzes yes yes I now i could have framed that into a question better but yes now talk about that Okay, so as you are going through, you learn, you know, topic A, B, C, D, however many, how many subtopics there are, or a chapter, and you learn, you know, this part of a chapter, and then this part, and this part, then you're assessed uh, at, at the big scale. Um, but on, along the way, you're taking these many, your child is taking these many assessments, these many, you know, assignments, many quizzes um, to see what they know. So the best place to go to find out what you already know is to go back to what you've already shown that you know. And so that's where looking at your old homework assignments, old, uh, old quizzes, um, anything that's been used to help you demonstrate what you know, if it could be something that they gave you at the end of class, it says they call, we call it an exit ticket. Uh, all those things can help you. Now, the challenge is, is in this virtual world, um, now, if you're on campus 
and uh, you know, you're doing traditional work, it's easy to get a paper back and an assignment back, as you can see. Um, but sometimes, um, I don't like, especially like in math, like in math virtually sometimes, uh, you can't necessarily see all the, they have the question, then there's A, B, C, D, and you just click on the answer. But that doesn't show you know, what you know. And if you're not working on the material, it may be hard to come back. But you want to get your hands on as much of what you will uh, get as hands on as much of what you have at your disposal so you can go back and fill in those gaps. Because, you know, let's say, um, you know, there are, there are um, three major concepts that maybe you didn't get. Um, and if you don't go back and relearn them because you never knew what you were, you know, struggling with, then that's going to carry over into, um, your major test. Um, and if you do that over and over again, there's a lot of lost material that is not being mastered. When I coach students, um, uh, personally, like for testing and stuff like that, for SATs and ACTs, and let's say they've already had a score, I say, okay, let's go back to your weakest areas. And then we, then I grow them up out of their, out of their weaknesses because you're going to get the most growth where you know the least. And so when you're going back, let's say you got an 88. Well, if you want to get a 95, you're going to have to learn more than what you did in the past. You do that by reviewing what you didn't know before. So don't just take it and move on, but gather that information. If you don't have it, ask your teacher, how can you? Um, if Even if they're not asking you to, Show your work even at home, virtually, or show it in school. Not necessarily for their sake, but for your sake. So when, uh, so when you go back and look over the material, you'll know exactly what to pull from. Okay, I can see what the mistake was, uh, versus you know, trying to think back in your head what were you thinking at that particular moment. You can have some concrete evidence to show what you were thinking, how you got to that conclusion, and then how you can make those adjustments to really fill in those gaps and get and get your child back to where they need to be. So I would encourage parents to make sure you have access to their work. And if they don't show work, I would encourage them. I would encourage you to encourage them to show their work. Show their work. If it means printing it out, print it out. If it means getting an old school piece of paper, get that paper out and have them write it out. Uh, that's how they that's how they can see where their weaknesses are, then how they can, you know, attack those to get ready for the bigger test moving forward. We're getting towards the end of the year, and so we're stepping into state exam time. Mm -hmm. So how do you help your child study for state exams? One, um, find out from your teachers what are they doing the, you know, to get their child ready for the exam. Um, that's that's a one immediate you know, way to find out like, what what is their approach to getting ready for the exams. Uh, but secondly, and the easiest thing to do is to go to your state's um, website um, and find out, for, so for example, in Texas, it's the Texas Education Association. Um, there they have knowledge on everything you could possibly think of within education, but they also have released tests. So they have tests that they have, they have done. Um, now last year, we you know we didn't do testing last year. Uh, but 2019, but all the way back to 2016. And you can see how each uh, concept uh, was tested and then how them do some practicing with it. Um, and so, and then sometimes um, questions are um, asked different ways. So maybe one year they asked it like this, but then another year they may have asked it a different way. 
And so getting a, a broad perspective on it um, can help as well. Um, there are also tools, for example, like, uh, for example, if you are getting ready for the SATs and ACTs, there's uh, tools like Khan Academy where, you know, you can go through different modules and how to, you know, in, in different you know, aspects of a subject to get you preparing. And they're partnering with the college board, so they're, you're getting it directly from, from the source as well. Um, also, it's going back over areas that you know, let's say there's areas in, in a subject that you know is your weakness and you know, it, you know, your child knows that I'm weak in this area, like maybe it's fractions, okay? Well, go back and look over videos, look over your notes, uh, go back to prior years because uh, sometimes a weakness may be because it was never mastered in the year prior to the current year that your child is in. So have to go back and review. It's like, hey, in this in this realm, what are you weakest on? Or take a look at their tests and, and you know quizzes and see what are their biggest weaknesses. And when you can fill in the gaps with those weaknesses, combine those with their already you know uh, ingrained strengths, um, that's going to build a stronger student to help them to maximize and, and do their very best on the exams. You teach Cornell, the Cornell method of note-taking to most of your students, correct? Uh, yes, in, in private world. Now, in the virtual world, that's, that's not quite as easy to do. Oh. Um, but, but at the root, you know, what the Cornell note-taking method does, it, it helps them to you know, get, get the main idea uh, the, the key points and then the and then the key takeaways from it um, if you just if you, you know it's hard to explain you know, orally what you know what it looks like per se but if you just google Cornell notes um, you'll see all these different ways to um, help um, on, on all these you know there's tons of websites that show no Cornell note taking and how to do them effectively but what it does it helps it helps the student to really focus in uh, narrowly on how to get the key points out of a concept in a one-page summary um, that they can take and apply with them are there other note-taking methods um one just uh key points uh well for example, going to your, you know, your, your, your content, your textbook or whatever it is and going through and, you know, it, it, what I'm um, finding out more and more is that, you know, the, the, um, especially now we're virtual, but like this, ladies and gentlemen, like this is a textbook and here is the table of contents. Like, well, <laughs> where can I go to find out what this is talking about? Um, what are the key terms and definitions? Where can I go to get them? So starting with what, what you're given um, and, and knowing what are those definitions, what are those terms? And you can get them straight from, from the digital textbook or from the physical textbook. Um, what are the examples um, that are shown or what are the main points that are discussed? And how that looks in a textbook is typically um, uh, bold, bold subheadings. And so, okay, this section is about this. What's the main idea? pull that out um, as well. Um, we know we've talked about a little bit of like cliff notes for maybe for, for novels. Uh, that's good for general uh, a flyover content of what they're learning as well. Um, also, another way that you can uh, go is by doing um, is an app or a website, a Quizlet. And Quizlet mm -hmm. is a good one that you can go to um, where it basically almost like flashcards. And so um, you can uh, you look at an item and, and you can uh, take it and 
on one side is the word and, and then it can flip it and then on the other side is the definitions and so when you can clearly articulate it without looking back on the other side then that's how you know that you know it as well um there's all types of you know you, you can use you know places like youtube um you have to be careful now you know you can't use everything everything is not you know say wait the same uh but there are there are credible sources out there where you can go to get information that that you need in order to um, learn the concept and maybe in a slightly different way than how it was it was learned in class so you can use videos you can use flashcards um, another a tool is to take uh, a sentence and turn it into a question so you could say uh, the war of 1812 was in 1812 and then you say well when was the war of 1812 <laughs> and I'm making a very very simple <laughs> example of it but if you can take a fact and turn it into a question and then without referring to anything, go back and look at it and answer it. And that's how you know that you are really understanding the material well. Uh, so you can use media, you can use um, apps. Um, some are free, some are paid. Um, and then it's old school textbook um, and looking over the material to help you to digest that information. Another app that you and I really love, well, I probably use it more than you is Evernote. That's another um, app that's digital obviously but you can scan things with that app you can record audio with the app you can take pictures and it's all searchable even you know i have a t-shirt on that says school days if i searched for the word school in uh, the app it would find the t-shirt and anything else that had school in it so that's just a, a good way to organize because we, we're so digital now we have so many um, files and whatnot and that's another way to organize stuff yes um you know, place like Evernote, and even, you know, check with your teacher, look and see, like, an obvious one is how, how is your teacher organizing the work that they're giving you? Um, where are they storing it? Uh, can you get access to it? Can you put yourself into the environment where you can get what you need from your teacher? Because sometimes everything you need is right there, uh, sitting, staring you right in the face. And sometimes that can be the easiest place to, the you know, the, the most obvious, sometimes, sometimes can be the most hidden place to get what you need as well. Another place to look at is at your district's website. A lot of times there's a lot of great stuff on there and a lot of great tools and resources that they have. Um, and they're not necessarily publicly um, advertising them, but if you dig deeper, you know, go into the academic section and look and see what they have available, there's sometimes just some great nuggets of resources there you can use to you know pull from as well. That'd be another good episode for us to do, how oh. to access the resources uh, for your school district. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they do offer so many things. And I think we ignore a lot of the emails that we get about different things that would be beneficial to our students. It, yeah. Sometimes we know, I get so many. Emails. Yeah. Because we get you know, inundated with just information, information, information. Sometimes we can just you know, become, you know, just deaf to all of it. And sometimes they don't even advertise it. But there's some gems um, in some of these places that sometimes are not, you know, advertised. I've shown parents, I say, hey, did you know that, you know, uh, the district has A, B, and C available to you? Like, what? No, I didn't. Right. And I'll show them how to get to it. Like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, I was in a program for our school, I mean, our school district, Mansfield, and we toured all of the schools or, or many of the schools in the district. And they have some um, schools of choice um, in the district. And I was blown away by the different specific schools that they have they have a, a stem school that's really amazing and um, some trade schools and things like that and um you know i think the average person wouldn't know 
that those are even options for you because you just miss, you don't read all the newsletters and you don't look at all the, the things that pop up. Right. You know, and to that point, and maybe sometimes, you know, maybe the the traditional school may not be the best way for a child to learn. And so when you do that, um, you can look and see what, let's find out what's out there. Um, our daughter's going to be going to opening up a brand new fine arts academy in the fall. And that is right up her alley. Um, you know, and there's different ways to learn. One, you know, one of the schools in our district, the STEM Academy, it's all exploratory. There's not traditional seats and chairs. It's, you know, it's more like lounge style and they can go off into little corners of the building and do work. And, and, um, all these things are great. And, um, but you may not know that this is out there for you. And some, for some kids, the, the traditional route may be the best route, you know, but sometimes other schools, uh, that have a different emphasis can be a better way for your child to learn as well. Yeah. Save that for that episode that we do though. <laughs> yeah. Um, one, th- one last thing I want to, um, st- want you to talk about is the study schools c- skills questionnaire that you give to your tutoring students. Yes. Yeah, so, um, this goes back to what I was talking about before about the, uh, differentiated learning and how students learn differently. And so we asked a series of questions that are, uh, just, you know, I tend to um, you know, become more engaged when I see the materials um, in, in, you know, on a screen or, or something like that. And so every question is geared to help uh, identify how your child is wired. And then after, you know, going through, it's not, it takes maybe 10 minutes to do at the most. Afterwards, um, it shows what type of learning style your child is more favored towards. And then we provide specific strategies on how to help your child to learn in that context. And so it's important um, um, for you know our approach, our methodology is not just content, but with knowing with knowing your child and knowing what works best for them, and then adjusting um, to how they learn so they can receive the information in the in the best way possible. So we use that as a reference place uh, to help them to to grow and get better. Well. We will definitely have that on our website so that you can um, administer that to your child and kind of get an idea of where they are. A couple of episodes that I do want to mention that would be useful that are along the lines of this topic is one that we did a couple of weeks ago, the test taking strategies episode that was um, we mentioned studying and that as well. And that was you were our guest for that one. Um, you referenced our memorization episode with um, uh, the memory champion that we talked to. And so he gave some really good tips about um, using your memory for academic success. And also a couple of years ago, we did um, an episode with time about time management and organization. And so if you are wanting to be a good learner and a good studier, you definitely need to be organized. I mean, if you can't find your notes, I was reading one statistic um, from one study that was saying that 53, I think percent, 59% of students said that they felt like their notes were well organized, but that they didn't know where they were. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, you know, knowing where to go to get your stuff is, is important as well. Can I say a couple last couple of tips here? Sure. Of course. Um, so as we're, as you're going forward, um, two things, one, this is a newer area of learning. Um, there's a lot of research on it. It's it's on it's called mind mapping. Um, I know I've been talking to you about this more and more mm-hmm. lately. And what it does, it, it, so sometimes it's all this information in your head, and you don't know how to get access to it. Um, but mind mapping, it basically it's, it's like it's like a web 
um, of how to draw connections from one idea to the next. And you can put it around a central idea or around a main concept. And then you can draw out little arms and then put points under those as well. And it can help to get your child organized. And there are already pre-made templates or you can create your own templates on how to do that as well. Another one that really helps is if you look up, so look up mind mapping and look up the Eisenhower matrix. And what that does, it helps uh, it helps you to, to prioritize what needs to be done. Um, and so um, just think of a horizontal line and a vertical line, and it has four, you know, four areas of that space. And you have stuff that's urgent, important, urgent, not important. Um, and then you have stuff that is not urgent, but important and not urgent and not important. And what it allows, and it's, it's hard, I can't explain it, you know, you know, via words properly. But if you look it up, this is how, you know, apparently how President Dwight Eisenhower uh, managed his presidency and how he was able to realize what was the most important things to get done. And sometimes we can be focusing a lot on the wrong things. Uh, or things that don't need, you know, that that are irrelevant. You know, like watching. I was talking to a kid today, and they're up until five a.m. watching YouTube videos, uh, but can't get my homework turned in. You know, um, <laughs> and so um, just helping to prioritize. What do I need to do? Is it due immediately? Is like is the house on fire, or do I need to plan it out? And if you can help your child to sift through those priorities, it'll help them tremendously. So I would recommend looking up. Uh, mind mapping and how to create them. There's all different types of apps out there. I, the one I use is called MindMeister uh, for the mind mapping. And then for the Eisenhower matrix, I do uh, the Eisenhower matrix. I use what's called Eisentask. And that app allows you to, to prioritize. Then it puts it on a calendar for you as well. So you know, okay, today I have to, I have to tackle A, B, and C based on my priorities. So then they can truly see what's important, what's not important as well. One final exiting tip is when you're determining, you know, what you want to cover, you know, you want to look at what, what do they hate the most and attacking that first, but also what's, you know, what's going to be the most time consuming again, because as you go through and as time goes on, um, you're going to have less motivation to do work. That's going to take more time to do. So attack those things in smaller bite-sized pieces along the way. Um, I recommend studying in maybe 15 minute intervals or doing work in 15 minute intervals. Um, even stuff that you hate or stuff that, you know, you have to do a lot of anybody can do anything for 15 minutes. So if you can do 15 minutes of something, take a break from it, move on, you know, take a five minute break, come back to it, or maybe move on to a different subject, but then circle back around to it. Um, but to take those big tasks and don't say, okay, study for an hour. Well, maybe stay for 15 minutes, take a five minute break, come back to it as well. So break those um, areas up into smaller bite-sized pieces into more manageable pieces and that will help them to get through stuff that maybe before they would not want to do and get through one last quick question how often should they be studying is it every day or every couple of days i think it depends upon the subject their understanding of the material um and how long does it take for them to comprehend that subject? Like for some, like for students have a proclivity to a particular subject, they're going to latch onto it quickly. They may not meet, they may not need as much time. They may be able to go every other day with it. Uh, but for subjects, like for example, for me in high school, it was chemistry. Chemistry was uh, my Achilles heel. And uh, I had to put in a lot of time into chemistry or when I was in graduate school, it was Greek and it, 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 I felt like I was taking two classes instead of one and I had to put in more time there. So I think it really all depends upon what they're learning, 
um, and then how much uh, how much human capital is it going to take to get through that content? And considering the fact that we lose forty percent of what we learn within twenty four hours, should should the rule of thumb be if we've learned new content because we don't learn new content every day in school but if we've taken notes and learned new content should we go over it that day you should go over it before i would say you go over it before the next before you have the next lecture mm -hmm. um the fresher it is on your mind the, the easier it's going to be to recall it so you know let's say you say your child goes on block scheduling um if they i would i would say if you were taught it that day learn it that day um you mean study it that day well 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 yeah studying but but not but, but we'll stay with the goal of actually in my point is like internalizing it really mm -hmm. getting that concept down mm -hmm. um versus uh wait until the next day or wait until the last minute to get enough in to get what you need um take take 10 minutes 15 minutes i'm telling you 15 minutes uh the power of 15 minutes is is amazing 15 minutes just to review highlight um the helicopter overview of what are my main points and then um, that will gird your child up to be able to be better prepared to um, really go forward with it versus it just kind of flushing away. Because a lot of times teachers, we have to do a lot of reteaching mm -hmm. uh, because they never took the time to really, you know, take it and internalize it for themselves. That's really good. And that's good to, to know that it doesn't have to be a long, arduous task. Right. That just 15 minutes a day will do it. Yeah, it, it really will. Um, again, you know, for some it might be longer, but even with that, you know, maybe do 15 minutes at six and then do another 15 minutes at eight. It doesn't have to be in one big master chunk um, as well, because sometimes that can be intimidating. And if it's study for an hour or not study at all, typically they're going to not study at all. So if you can break those pieces down into smaller bite-sized manageable time blocks, uh, it'll help them to have the, 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 the energy to uh, move on and really get it done. All right. Well, these were awesome tips. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. Yeah. So Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Day. So we always want to tell you guys what's happening with Noggin. We're currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also, through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities and special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning, the educational gap for low-income students has widened, and the one-on-one -on -one intervention we provide is vital. See our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at Donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at nogginfoundation.org for more details. Next week, we've invited Peter Ellerton, who is the Curriculum Director for the Critical Thinking Project at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia. He'll talk to us about developing critical thinking skills in kids. So don't forget to tune in and invite a parent friend to that. As always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and the resources that we mention on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. 
Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, David and I always want to end the show by saying that we're parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.